Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are joining us online or you're here in the room, we're really glad you're worshiping with us. If you're new, I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here, and we are really glad that you are worshiping with us as we're continuing our series and um, uh, we're talking about the church and kind of why it really is important. And we, for, for those of you who don't know, um, this year we just started today for the first time to have two services uh, physically here in the room again. It's been it's been a bit wild. It was it was it was crazy. It's my my my, my rhythms are all up. I'm I'm a big routine person. And it started for me last night when I had to set an alarm for the first time I guess in six months. And I was like, man, I just set an alarm. And then my wife starts taunting me. It's like you gotten soft. And I'm like, I don't need that from you. And then. And then it went from that to my brain is like, you had to set an alarm. You had to set an alarm on Sunday. This must be a big deal. It must be a big deal. If you're sermon ready, and then suddenly it's 12.45, right? So I'm just, I don't know. So some people say that I, that, that I don't necessarily preach better when I'm kind of tired, but it's, it's, it's more fun. So we'll just, we'll just see. So I was thinking, like, we, over the last few months, we have, we've just kind of gone through a lot of effort, I mean, back when we couldn't meet together at all, we went through a lot of effort to, you know, upgrade some equipment, change some things, do some things where we could have what felt like really good, genuine live experiences. You know, the thing that we were saying there for a few months is it's important for us to be together even when we can't be together. And so we did a lot to make that happen. And then as, as, as soon as it was we were able to do it, and we felt like we could do it in a safe way, we immediately started having services under the new guidelines, and then once that, we kind of got in a rhythm with that, and people started coming back, so well, now we, got, we need to even make more room, we need to have two services, and we're going through a lot of effort and a lot of things that we weren't having to do before in order just to make church happen, all this effort, and, and, and the question obviously comes up, well, why? Why, why, why go through all of this? And it's like, man, it just, it just, it just matters. This, us being together, God's people being together, it just, it, it, it matters. And I think in, there's a sense in which there's a lot of this is just kind of in, intrinsic to those of us who maybe, you know, have been walking with God for a while, been connected with church for a while. But for, the, but, but for some of us who may not, well, you know, you know, I like church, but take it or leave it, I guess, you know. And, and I think it's been important for us to kind of take these things that some of us kind of seem like just, just know, have experienced, like why this really matters, and get those things out there so that you'll know why it is very important that God has called us to be his church, both in what it kind of does for us and ultimately what it means for the world around us. And so that's kind of the, the heartbeat of the series. And we've got a few more weeks of this. And um, as I was thinking about this, this kind of us being together, this thing came back to me. Um, from, 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 from college days, the old group project, all right? So let me just, let me just ask, let me just ask, we'll just kind of do, you can do by a sign of hands in the room, you can just let us know, please let us know in the chat, you, from the chat you can give us thumbs up, thumbs down. How many of you, when it was group project time in school, high school, college, whatever, it's like, yay, group project, that, yeah, that's, a, that's about a like, very small percentage. I don't think that necessarily represents like people as a whole, but it's a very small percentage in the first service as well. I just think the kind of person who would be willing to come to this church with me, kind of this cranky curmudgeon guy, you probably just have 
a little bit of that cynical, cranky in you. Otherwise, you probably couldn't make it. Um, yeah, it's like, it's like, no, it was just, mm, I, I, I really, I really didn't like them. And I was thinking about one in particular. It was my, it was my freshman year. And um, I was a math major. This is going to sound like I'm bragging. I promise I'm not. It's just part of the story. Um, so it's, I was taking Cal 1 my freshman year. And I began to build a friendship with this, with this professor. We were going to be friends, really, for the whole time I was there. And um, about a third of the way in through the class, she was like, you know you haven't missed a point all semester. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Because, I mean, it, grades are very, I was very intense about grades. And so then it just kind of became this running joke. We'd have these quiz just about every day, and I would just kind of turn it in and kind of taunt her with it. Like, you didn't get me today, and I would just kind of fling it at her. And then she'd be like, well, you, you know, if I wanted to, I could put a question on there that you would miss. I'm like, what would be the point of that? Everyone would miss it. Yeah, so that, again, I'm not bragging. This is kind of the... That's kind of what I was. And, um, and so then we're getting towards the end of the semester, and it's like, okay, well, now we're going to do the group project. And part of me felt like she did it on purpose. Like, like this was just, just to get me. And I was like, man, I hate group projects. Like, and it's not like I was not going to get an A, but it's like suddenly I just had this, this streak of, of making a perfect score in her class. And now the group project is going to ruin it. So right now we've got this group. And would anybody like to take a guess what happened is our group was doing this project? Anybody? Yeah, there it is right here. I did all the work and we made a hundred on it. It was great. It was beautiful. It was glorious in every conceivable way. And, um, and so this is where the, the, the pastor says something cheesy. I mean, life's a group project. We've been talking about this all throughout this series. It starts all the way back in Genesis. It's like we, we, we weren't designed to be alone. We were designed to do together. The, the only way that life works is to do it together. But yet, this, this thing in us, because I really think there are, there are two different types of people who hate group projects. There's the arrogant know-it-all who doesn't want people to ruin his grade and then there's the people who don't don't want it to be known that they don't really know as much maybe as other people do and so there's all this fear and anxiety of like I, I need to protect myself from you and I don't want you to know that I'm struggling and it's, this same, it's, it's really two sides of the same coin, but it's this, it's this same base level insecurity of saying, I don't really want to work together. But the reality of it is God has designed us this way. He's designed us this way where the only way we really can do and be who he has called us to be is to do it together. And again, it's important, and we talked about this three weeks ago, it's important that we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. When, um, when Adam was in perfect relationship with God, no sin in the garden, it wasn't good that he was alone. And we fast forward uh, a long time in here to 1 Corinthians. N- n- none of that has changed, and if anything has changed, it has become even more essential that we do it. And so in the first part, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12, but just the last half. The first part is really talking very specifically about spiritual gifts. 
And, if, and, and there's, there's a great sermon, sermon series, where we could get really go in depth about everything that Paul is saying about spiritual gifts. In fact, there's three chapters there of kind of this big picture point that Paul is trying to make with them as there's kind of all this disunity in their church for a lot of different reasons. And Paul's trying to bring them together in unity. And so in the first part of 12, he's kind of listing different kinds of gifts. And these are basically gifts that God's Spirit gives you that you're meant to use in order to serve other people in God's church and ultimately serve other people all around the world. And so he, he's essentially saying God has given everybody all of these different gifts and all of these different gifts work together. And you have this and you have this and you put it all together and it's great. So he's trying to, he's got this point about unity and they were misusing some of these gifts. He's got a lot to say, but it's important for us to know that context that is he's kind of using this metaphor here about that everybody in the church, everybody who is God's son or daughter has been given a gift that is meant to be used to love and serve the people around them. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. So he's about to introduce a metaphor here that has become very popular in describing the church. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Just as a body... Though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So you get, you see, there's so much here, and part of, like, there's, there's, there's three or four different sermons you could preach just from the, just the awesome things that, that, that Paul is, is mentioning here. But you can see in here kind of this big picture idea that he's trying to get across. There's been a lot of disunity based on, based on race, based on gifting, based on experience. There's all this disunity. There's a really powerful statement here and really throughout this book about the importance and, and the unity that God has called us to as God's people. But specifically the thing that we're going to look at here is this metaphor where he's talking about the body. And he used the body as a metaphor. Just think about the body. The body is one thing, but it is this one thing that is made up of a whole lot of different things. And all of these different things need to work together. And when they all work together, you have this one thing, this body, that, 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 is, that, that can do and incredible things, and like each piece matters, and all these different things. Like, and, and it's important is that, that, that every person, that every person is a part of this. Every person is a part of the body, and all of these pieces are designed to work together. And so again, we mentioned this at the very beginning of the series. I've already said it. It came from Genesis 2. Fast forward, we're saying it again. We are created by design to need each other. We've said this almost every week of this series. We'll continue to say it. It is very important that you understand this. That the fact that you have needs, the fact that you have gaps, the fact that there are problems that you have, there are problems you cannot solve, there are things that you cannot do unless you have someone else's help. That is not a design flaw. That is... Your design, that is what God did. He did that on purpose. He created you in such a way where you were this perfect puzzle piece 
to where you could help these other people, but then you needed these other people to help you. You are a part of a body. And no matter how much you work, no matter how much you strive, no matter how much you overcome, no matter what you do, you will never be to a point where you can overcome your need for other people. And I think that it's really important. On the one hand, sometimes it comes out of my mouth that sounds really intuitive, but sometimes I think for a lot of us it's very counterintuitive. You are not going to grow or mature your way out of your dependence and your connectedness to other people. It's not possible, and it is against God's design. God's design for you was to be connected and to need other people. And so this is the point in which, you know, if you've been around church long enough, maybe you've heard a sermon on this, talk about this. This is the point in which the pastor starts talking about team sports, right? It's team sports. And it's like, and someone, someone is the, someone's the quarterback and someone's the center and someone's the wide receiver and the running back and everybody works together and they're all on a team. And approximately 40% of the population is like, man, there goes Mr. Loudmouth Dude again talking about sports and people don't, people don't like it. And so I just want to make sure it's obligatory though at this point that we talk about team sports. And then, you, then I mean, just let me show you, just kind of behind the scenes, this is the way the sermon has to work. And it's like, but some people say, well, what about individual sports? And then, yeah, and then it's like, well, even a golfer has a caddy and a tennis player has a coach and it takes, still takes a team even in an individual sport. Let's isolate a different group of people today. Instead of talking about sports, let's just talk about cooking shows. And um, my daughter, my youngest, she, she loves these cooking shows, especially those that involve primarily desserts. And there's one in particular she really likes called the, the Great British Baking Show. And um, she, she, she loves this. And there's a lot of these kinds of shows, not just cooking shows, but other ones like it, where, again, it's an, it's an individual competition. And some of us are viewing life that way, as if life is an individual competition. It's me against all of these people. And there's a couple of conceptual things I could do to break that down. One, the point of that show is not the individual competition. It's all of them together creating one show. Okay? I could do that. But we could also just talk about, even in the individualism of it, I mean, they didn't, she didn't build that oven. She didn't install that oven, didn't put the ingredients there. For her to be able to even compete individually requires a whole lot of people around her supporting them. There's also this other show that, that, that she and my mom watch, Flea Market Flip, where they go to a flea market, they buy something, and, the, and then this couple, they do all this work to it, and then they try to sell it the next week or whatever. Except for the fact that they have like three or four or five hired carpenters that are building this stuff for them. Like, I'm not sure what, you're try, what point you're trying to make. But anyway, every, you, no matter what you, it is, anything that you think is just you against the world, you against other people, you still need other people. You cannot do it alone. And here's one more um, pastor cheesy thing, right? Life is, is a team sport. It, it just is. And a lot of times when we, we talk about this, we, we talk about it in terms of just on Sunday morning, the way that Sunday mornings work. And the way that Sunday mornings work for sure requires a, a, a varying team of a lot of different gifts. Speaking gifts, music gifts, technology gifts, welcoming gifts, children gifts, 
I mean, just it takes a lot. Hospitality just goes on and on. Administrative gifts, serving gifts. I mean, it just takes everything to make, just to make Sunday morning possible. But Sunday morning is really just one hour of an entire week of your life where really all throughout my life I'm needing this. But even if, again, we just focus on this one hour, what this one hour is designed for is for us all to come together so that we can equip each other, encourage each other, strengthen each other. You've got your own part of this life thing that you're doing, and you're doing it without us for the most part, at your job, at your school, in your home. And we need you to know that God is with you, and we're with you, and when you need us, we'll be there. And, and, and this group, and this is, my, this is my team. I have a lot of individual assignments on this team, But I know for a fact that I've got an awesome team behind me and with me. Now, he continues on here. And and basically, as he's making this statement about how we all are designed to need each other, he basically understands, Paul, as he's getting this message out, is that essentially he understands that there are going to be two primary objections to this. And he kind of deals with them here as he continues um, with this uh, metaphor here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now to verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Let's just read that again, just in case you weren't listening. Verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. So we're all connected. We all need each other. And we're all supposed to be here for each other. And then there's this, the first objection is like, man, I just don't really feel like that really includes me. I, I don't really deserve that. I'm not really good enough. I'm not, I'm just, there's like, there's like good parts of the body. And then there's me. And I don't really, I don't really live up to that. I mean, you guys are all doing all the good things and you're all connected and doing these great things and I'm just, I'm just nothing. And I, I think Paul could have done a better job with his metaphor here. Is it okay to criticize a writer of the Bible? Like, like, like I mean, obviously a hand knows. Like, man, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the hand, I'm the foot, I'm the eye. But like, there are parts of the body that are just like, you know, I mean, if you thought, man, you're the hand in the body of Christ, but yeah, I am. You're the ears. You're the eye. Like, that's great. But some of us probably feel like, you know what I am? I'm the droopy skin under the elbow. That's what I am. I'm not, I'm not I'm really doing anything. I'm just kind of gross. I'm the, I'm the unwanted hair that comes on your toe. That's me. And I don't really matter. And, and, I, and I want to go back then to the same verse. 
But God, in fact, has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God specifically designed you to be you because we need you. And, and, and whether you feel like, well, then that just says something about God because he just made me worthless and gross. Well, take a knife and cut this off and then tell me afterwards whether or not it's valuable. Like, well, all I'm doing is protecting the elbow. That seems like a really important job. All of the jobs are important. And I will not allow you to denigrate yourself. I just won't have it. Because God specifically looked at you and said, I want this person to be a part of my body, big picture, and I want them to be a part of this body specifically. And he's designed you and equipped you and gifted you to do and be someone that we need. And it is in fact your negative talk that is causing the problem. It is your belief that you are useless that is making you perceive yourself to be useless. You are not being used because you believe that you are useless. You tracking with me there? You, you have something, but you believe that you don't. And so we're missing it. It is not because you are useless. It is because you believe you are. And that has to stop. Because every person here, and I've put this challenge out to different people in different ways. Hey, you just tell me what you feel like God has gifted you to do, what you're passionate about, and I promise you I will find a way where, where, where we will be able to use the gifts and passions that God has uniquely given you and to do something incredible. And I've done this before, and I've had people just kind of like take me up like I'm challenging them. And I remember very specifically this one guy, I made this challenge. I had everybody fill out on a sheet of paper. And he comes up to me almost kind of strutting. He's like, there's no way you're going to be able to do this with me. I'm like, okay. And he just kind of flings this piece of paper at me. And I look at it, and it says, I like to work with concrete. I'm passionate about working with concrete. And um, he just kind of looked at me with this little smug look on his face. And then um, I smiled uh, because I immediately said to him, I was like, um, did you know that the sidewalk in front of our church offices are, are broken and we need somebody to fix them? And he kind of got this look on his face, not, not because I had just beat him, which, which I had. <laughs> because, I mean, the thing that he put on the paper was legitimate. This was Sunday and Tuesday morning, one of the happiest men I've ever seen in my life was out in front of the church office mixing concrete, fixing the sidewalk. And here it was, he had this gift and this talent and he was holding it back. And we didn't know, but as soon as we knew, we were blessed by it. And again, you, you are not allowed near me to say that what you are and who you are doesn't matter. Um... Because the thing is, is that we just, we just have this idea that the gifts that matter are the, are, the, are the flashier ones, right? You think about just Sunday specifically, like, well, the, 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 the preacher, 
He's kind of the centerpiece of the whole thing, right? And then the musicians next, and the host, and then the, the tech people, and we're glad we've got kids work. I mean, like, but it's like the more public, the more, that, that's what makes you great. And then there's ones that aren't great. And I was thinking about this this morning with, with my small group. Can you imagine just for a second what it's like to be in a small group with the pastor? Like that's got to be terrible for all of them, right? As, especially, you won't believe this, what, what we do, what our study is, is we kind of talk about the, the sermon from the week before. Can you imagine? What did y'all think about the sermon today? Right? So, but anyway, they're, they're awesome, and we have a great time. And, um, you know, and, and there's a lot, I guess one thing that's positive about it is you don't, you don't feel this pressure to have all the answers, right? Like, we, we got answer boy right there. I mean, we just, we, we, if we just wait long enough, he'll just tell us the right answer, right? He's just, he's just right there. And so it's like, well, you're like, I don't think I'm even close to the most important member of that group. I was thinking, again, I was thinking about this morning. There's a guy in our group named Chris, and he was here in the earlier service, and I embarrassed him. Embarrassed him again live on the internet. Um, He's the guy that remembers everybody's birthday. He's the guy that, like, legitimately remembers every prayer request and is texting you every couple of days to make sure to see how you're doing. That's the guy. So then I'm interacting with him after the service. Man, you shouldn't. Have. I just, I just, I just, I just uh. like, man, you don't get to do that in front of me. I mean, God has gifted you in a, in a unique and awesome way, and you are of incredible value. And that is true of all of you. And I just ask you to kind of step out and let us know, let us see who you are and what God could do with who you are. We continue on. There's another objection. Verse 21, 1 Corinthians 12. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So the second objection is like, man, I don't, I don't really need that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need it. I'm sufficient by myself. I am an I. And there's nothing that you can do to help me see. I already see. You are a ear, and that does not help me see better. And all that matters is our ability to see, and you are pointless. And there's just this pride with it. And there's another thing here. There's something in here. I just want to make sure that we notice, even going back to the first objection, that we're talking about the, the, the less honorable parts get the special treatment I think it's really important for us to understand that. I mean, it's there. The the like the the grossest parts are the ones that kind of get covered. The ones that kind of are like you know, there's just there's special attention that we give and special honor that we give to the least public of the parts. And I know that's a little much for 
church on Sunday, but you, you get the picture, right? And it's like the, the, the eyes are flashy and the ears and the mouth and the hands, but the ones that, should, that feel like that they're dishonored are in fact the ones that God honors. And I think that's really, that's an important point. But right here in this second objection, this idea that somehow that somebody could think that I don't need any help. I'm just fine. I'm an I. I don't need anything else. My wife will tell you that I have a bit of a, an eye thing. Like I don't like anything getting near my eyes. I don't like anything close to touching my eye. Eye drops are almost impossible with me. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's a thing. Like these glasses that I wear, they're essentially just readers. I don't really need to wear them all the time, but I like to wear them all the time because it's just protecting me from, from the bugs and the things and the sticks and the eight-year-old fingers and all of the, all of the things, right? And so, and so, like, if I think about it, it's like, I don't need anything. I got an eye. It's like, you know what my eye needs more than anything? It needs a hand. Get away. Get away. Get, get out. Get out. You know, like, it, it, it's ridiculous, the idea that one part would be fine all by itself. It's a ridiculous concept. But the interesting thing about both of these objections is they're essentially the same objection. Because whatever that 18-year-old was who didn't want to be in a group project, you fast forward 30 years, he's still that same guy. What is it? What, what, what is it? I don't want you to be responsible for me messing up. I might mess up, and being mess, messing up is scary, and so I just, I just need to do it by myself. And so there's a lot of insecurity here. Like, I don't mind helping you. I don't mind helping you. I'll help you with your math homework, and I'll let you be on my group project. But don't, don't help me, because I don't, I don't need help. And I'm afraid that you're going you're gonna to find something out. I don't want you to find out how much help I really actually need. And then the person, well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I, I'm not really part of the body. I'm not, I'm not important enough. Again, it's the same thing. I, I am scared to show you my brokenness, my incompleteness. I don't want anybody to know the thing that God has already said is true and is by design, which is I have weaknesses and I have problems and I need help that only other people and their gifts and their passions and their strengths and their love can do for me. But I don't want you to know. And so I think what God is calling us to as his church is to recognize the clear and obvious thing that that life requires us to have each other. And regardless of the way that your particular insecurity uh, manifests itself, we've got to allow God to break that down so that we really can be connected and dependent on each other and live the life that God has called us to. Let's pray.